more grace, everybody. This is yours truly, Prophet Karn. I am beginning part four of the series that I began to do a podcast on the gospel. You know, my life was completely transformed and changed when God began to minister the word of God to me about the gospel. Romans chapter one declares that I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. I was so religious. I was so caught up in what I thought the gospel was, but I heard a man of God say that if you ever read the first eight books of the book of Romans, it would absolutely change your life. So guess what I begin to do? I begin to study the first eight books, Romans chapter one. And you that have been listening to the series and have been on the podcast, you've heard part one, you've heard part two, but and even part three about how righteous you are. But now I'm on part four and I'm dealing with the gospel. And I told you that the gospel is the good news, but it's not just good news. It's too good to be true news. In the Greek, it's a superlative. It's an hyperbole. It's so unbelievable that it's hard to believe. And that's what the gospel is. And of course, I taught on the last podcast about how I am the righteousness of God and everything that I am, I am because of him. But sometimes when you begin to teach this and talk to people about the gospel and how God has redeemed you, the question comes up that came up in Paul's day, Romans chapter six, verse one. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now, first of all, if your if that is never the question that you have to ask the preacher, you are not preaching what Paul preached. Paul preached a grace that was so radical, that was so powerful, that was so profound that the people asked him a question. They say, well, Paul, are you telling us to continue in sin so grace can abound? And of course, the answer to that is no. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Verse two, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? What does that mean? That means that you are dead to sin and that as a believer who has a new nature, you are no longer controlled and you are no longer dominated by the sin nature. See, that's not your nature anymore. You are a new creature. Second Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. Old things are passed away. You have a new nature. And because you have a new nature, you don't want to do that anymore. And the reason you don't want to do it is because you don't want to open a door for the enemy to creep into your life. You know, sin is a very subtle, powerful beast. Sin will not affect God's attitude towards you because God doesn't look at you in the flesh. He sees you in the spirit. He sees you through Jesus. He sees you through what Jesus has done. But what sin will do is it will affect your attitude toward God. You know, we used to always say that sin will take you farther than you want to go, cost you more than you're willing to pay and hold you longer than you want to stay. That's what sin does. And I don't want to open any door for the enemy to come in my life and do what he wants to do. So once I 
get a revelation of grace and take on a new nature, guess what? It sets me free from sin. And once I'm set free from sin, I love God so much that I don't want to do anything wrong. I don't want to open doors for the enemy to come in and destroy my life and destroy my family and destroy my inheritance all because of sin. Sin will affect my attitude toward God. Sin will not cause God to love me less, but it'll cause me to love him less. And I don't want that. And if you are truly, truly born again, you're not looking for an excuse to sin. So if you're out there reading scriptures and you're finding ways to continue to do what you're doing, then you've not taken on a new nature. Because once you really get born again, you will get set free from that sin nature. And if you can just sin without any conviction, without any reservation, then the problem is you were probably never born again in the first place. Because, see, that old nature had a propensity to negativity. You understand you were prone to do bad because you had another nature. But now. That you have a new nature when you used to have a proclivity to negativity. Now you have a proclivity to positivity. You no longer want to do us wrong, but you've taken on a new nature. So I don't want death in my life. And death is separation from God. You know, God told Adam that the day you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. Well, Adam was still walking around. He was still doing, but he was separated from God. So I keep trying to get you to come into a revelation that you are righteous. And I need you to get that. Come on, say that. I am righteous. And some of you are looking at yourself saying, well, you don't know what I'm doing. I'm smoking. I'm drinking. I'm out partying. I'm cheating. I'm stealing. Okay. And I'm telling you that if you repented of your sins, And you've given Jesus your life. The minute you did that, you are righteous. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24 says it like this. Put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. 1 John 4 17 declares herein. Do we have boldness in the day of judgment? Why? Because as he is, so are we. In this present world, you have a new man, you have a new spirit, and your identity is in Jesus. Are you listening to me? I really hope you're getting this in your spirit. You're not perfect because of what you do. You're not perfect because you dot every I and cross every T. You're not righteous because you don't do anything wrong. You're righteous because you have a new nature and God sees you in the spirit and he locates you there in that spirit realm. You know, Romans chapter five, verse 21 said that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, God deals with us based on what Jesus did. Jesus did it all. The law was given because sin was destroying people's lives. You understand? Sin was messing us up, you know, from Adam to Moses, that's until the law came. Sin was messing people's lives up. So the law was given so that sin might abound. I've already explained these things to you. If you listen to Romans, if you listen to the gospel series, part one, part two, and part three, you'll see that the law was given for sin to abound. 
That's what the word of God says. The law was never given for you to keep it. It was given for you not to keep it. Let me go deeper. The law was not given so that you could dominate sin, but the law was given so that sin could dominate you. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56 says, but grace abounded. All right, let's go there. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56. Now, of course, sin needed to abound, but the word of God declares for where sin abound, grace did abound much more. But the sting of death is sin, 1 Corinthians 15, 56, and the strength of sin is the law. That's very clear. The law is what strengthened sin. The law is what gave strength, sin its force and its strength. But thank God for sin getting stronger because you did not need grace if there was no sin. And where sin abound, grace did abound much more. Even David knew in Psalm 51. Remember he says sacrifice and offering you don't want. He said you don't want sacrifice and offering. You don't want perfect people. No, he said, but you want brokenness and you want contrition. You know, that's what the word of God, but a broken and contrite spirit. He will not despise. So I don't ever want you to think that you're holy and you're going to have a relationship with God based on your goodness. That is something that the Pentecostal Holiness Church and I was raised in church. I mean, I I mean, come on. I mean, I didn't I didn't dip, spit or chew or hang with them that do. Come on. I didn't do nothing that was wrong, according to the world's eyes. No gambling, no drinking, no smoking, even unto this day. And I believe that that's why God would give me the boldness to preach this message, because most people who would preach this message are doing it to cover some kind of sin up. Well, they can't say that about me. I never did those things. Never was a whole chasing, free basing, whiskey nipping, cocaine sniffing, peel popping weed, chopping tobacco chewing, cigarette sucking, pipe puffing, skirt chasing, midnight rambling, bingo gambling devil. Mm-mm. That's not my testimony. And I, all my life, I thought it was how good I was that caused God to accept me. And if you don't be careful, that is self-righteousness. You cannot promote yourself. You can never promote yourself. You are not perfect. Isaiah 64 and 6, all of my righteousness in the eyes of God is as filthy rags. So according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56, it was the law that strengthened sin. And the result of sin, Romans 3, the wages of sin is what? Death. And so the Bible declares in Romans 5, 21, that before Jesus, sin reigned. And it rained and produced death. Remember that? I just read that in Romans chapter 5, verse 21. I mean, this is powerful. He said that as sin hath reigned unto death. Well, when did that happen? That was until Jesus came. But now grace is going to reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. But now that We have Jesus. What is that telling us? Now that we have Jesus, righteousness gives us right standing with God. And now grace reigns. So before grace didn't reign. But guess what? Grace reigns now. And because grace reigns, I can walk in that confidence. Am I making sense? 
So that's why he asked the question, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? I mean, when you look at the story of Abraham and you look at the story of David, both of them were justified, not because they were perfect. Come on. You knew Abraham had problems. You know, read when you get a chance. Romans chapter four. Abraham had problems, but God did not call Abraham a father after he had a child. God called him a father before he had the child, before he produced. And God calls you righteous before you start acting righteous. You are righteous because of your nature. You've taken on a new nature and that new nature has made you righteous. Abraham and David are justified because of faith. So can I live in sin? Prophet Khan, are you telling me that no matter what I do, it's okay? Of course not. The question was, God forbid. But again, if you are preaching what Paul preached, that question should come up. And I guarantee you, in most of our circles, that question never comes up. Shall I continue in sin? Because we beat people down and try to make them live right and try to instead of getting them to understand to fall in love with Jesus. Verse two says that I am dead to sin. I'm born again. I am a new creature. All right. I'm separated from sin. I'm no longer controlled by my sin nature. Sin was a dictator. It rained, but not anymore. No longer am I dominated by sin. So one reason I don't do it is because I don't have the sin nature. But look at verse 6, 6, 16. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves service to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. So what is God telling you there? Another reason you don't want to sin is because sin gives Satan an inroad to your life. You don't lose your salvation. You're still saved. You'll go to heaven. But the enemy gets access. And the enemy can come in and do all kind of things. He gets a free shot. You know, the devil's job in John 10, 10 said the thief cometh, but for to what? To steal, to kill and destroy Now, God loves you. You'll still be saved. You'll still make it to heaven. But there are consequences for your action. If you decide I'm going to rob a bank, guess what? You can be saved. You can rob the bank. He'll love you all the way to the bank. And then he'll love you all the way to jail. (laughs) There are consequences for your actions. Am I making sense? So can I live in sin? No, sin will not change God's attitude towards you, but it will change your attitude toward him. And once you understand the price that Jesus paid, once you understand everything that Jesus did for you and how they beat him and persecuted him and all of the pain he went through just for you to free you from sin, you don't want to. You are dead to sin. What does dead mean? Separated. I just told you that. Separated. That's what death means. It means separated. The Bible said that we are dead to sin. You are separated. Spiritually. Does that make sense? You know, James 2 and 26 says that the body without the spirit is dead. What does that mean? Separated. 
You are no longer alive to sin. I am no longer controlled by sin. I am separated to righteousness. I am separated to holiness. I am separated to clean living. I am dead to sin. I am the righteousness of God. Does that make sense? In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24, I keep quoting that scripture because I need you to understand that you have put on a new man which after God is created in a righteousness and true holiness. You know, I I see a lot of times when people are trying to be delivered from crack cocaine and alcohol, you know, alcohol anonymous, the first thing they make you do is they tell you to get up and say, my name is so-and-so and I am an alcoholic. And I know what they're trying to do, but the devil is a liar. You have to tell them, uh-uh, I, I can't do that. I have a new identity now. My identity has changed. And because my identity has changed, I used to be driven to drink. But now I don't have that desire to drink anymore. Why? Because I am a new creature. I am born again. I'm a brand new person. I'm dead to sin. Glory to God. Am I making sense? I hope you get this because it completely changed my life when I begin to hear these messages and God begin to speak to my heart and completely change my life and say, hey, you are dead to sin. You have a new nature. And that person out there who's listening to this, who's never given your life to the Lord, I want to let you know you are dead to sin. You don't want to drink anymore. You're born again. You're a brand new person. Then when he get to verse three, he said, no, you're not. That so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. What is water baptism? Why would he talk about water baptism? Because water baptism is a symbol of an inner change. See, you have the Holy Ghost baptism into Christ in 1 Corinthians 12. Then you got the baptism of fire. And then you got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But I believe this one is saying, hey, when, when we get up there and we get baptized, when you come to church, glory to God, and you get baptized and you allow them to take you in that water, guess what it is? It's a symbol of the interchange that you are participating in his death. So when you go down in that water, it's almost like a liquid grave. And you come up out of that water in the newness of life. You participated in his death. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, he who knew no sin. Guess what he did? Come on, let's turn there. It says, for he have made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. This is powerful. I said he became sin for you. Matter of fact, 1 Peter chapter 2, I think it's around about verse 24. Look at that scripture. Another powerful scripture in 1 Peter 2.24. Look at what it says. It says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose strike ye were healed. Jesus became sin for us. He is totally free and there's no more sin in him.
And now he's alive. And guess what? If you participated in his death by being buried with him in baptism, when you come up, the Bible lets us know that you come up in the newness of life. Verse four, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the father, even so we also should walk in the what? newness of life. If he's totally free and there's no more sin in him and now he's alive, guess what? So are you. If he took your sin nature and he buried it, guess what? You a new person. And when you get baptized, you are burying that old nature. It's a done deal. We are new. And if we are new, we should walk like we knew. Separation from that and baptism is accomplished. And when you walk it out, you'll see it manifest. Well, Prophet Khan, I hear what you're saying. I hear you saying I'm righteous. I hear you saying that I'm a new creature, but I'm still doing the same thing. It's because the only way you're going to walk this out is dependent upon knowledge. See, most don't know you're dead to sin. And because you don't know that you're dead to sin, you keep saying stuff like, I'm just an old sinner and I'm saved by grace. No, you are not an old sinner. You are a new creature. You are the righteousness of God. When Jesus got planted into that earth and died, guess what? You died with him. And you got to know that your old man is crucified, dead. But the only way you're going to see the manifestation of your new man is based on knowledge. I don't have time to really get into this like I want to, but let me tell you something. What you don't know will hurt you. See, the Bible says that that body of sin might be destroyed. That's verse five. But then he said in verse six, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. See, you, you, you were crucified and you were buried with him. But that old man left something behind. He left behind an unrenewed mind. And if I had time, I would get into it. But my time is up. You should order the series, The Gospel. It will change your life. I want you to walk in victory. I don't want you to be bound by perversion and depression and sickness. I don't want you to be bound by demons of alcoholism and pride. God wants to set you free, but the only way it's going to happen is by knowledge. You got to get that mind renewed. But I want to let you know today, you are not a sinner. God does not judge you based on what you do, but he judges you based on what Jesus did. I would never tell my child that they were a failure. I would never tell my grandchildren that you are this. I'm going to say what God said. Why? Because he did it with Abraham. He called those things which be not as though they were. So you make sure that you continue to confess. I'm not a sinner. I am the righteousness of God. Go to the website. All the information that you need. BrianCarn.com, BrianCarn.org. Go there and tell them you want to get this series, The Gospel. It will change your life. Right? Brian Con Ministries, you know, we don't charge for anything, but we just ask you to give a donation as a token of your appreciation for the gospel that's coming your way. This message has changed my life, and I hope it did as much for you. 
as it has done for me. There's a whole lot more to this message, but I had to stop. I love you. More grace. Thank you for listening to the Prophetic Podcast with Prophet Brian Karn. Stay tuned for next week's podcast and visit briancarn.com for more information and to sow a seed into the ministry. To receive this message in its entirety, call one 984 2276 or 1-833-522-5433. More grace, we're excited about your future.